0: Hey everyone, it's John. Um, The Bop Squad just wanted to let all of you know um, how much we appreciate you listening to the podcast. Um, Hopefully you are getting a lot of um, new intriguing ideas and some inspiration and um, just good content from our podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Um, There are different levels, whether that's a one-time gift or a monthly contribution. And the different levels have different perks associated with them, um, like early released episodes or some merchandise. Speaking of, you can go over to The Bop Shop at clinicalpopulations.threadless.com to check out some of our merch, which also is a way for you to support us. Um, I own two of our shirts, and they are my favorite shirts um, out of my wardrobe. They are so comfortable and soft and stylish, if I do say so myself. So um, consider checking out some of our merch. It really is good quality stuff. Um, All right, now to the
1: show. Clinical. Uh, Clinical. (laughs) Clinical.
2: Population. Population.
1: Clinical.
2: Population.
1: Pop-
2: population.
1: Clinical
2: population.
3: Hi, everybody. My name is Gabby. I'm Allison.
4: I'm John. I'm Grant.
3: And welcome to Clinical Bobulation. Pop-
1: Introducing music therapists to new bops and new bops to music therapy.
3: All right. So this is our um, first episode back after going to Scotland for the European Music Therapy Conference, which was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's a good time. Uh, thanks
3: to everyone who came to our presentation and for uh, thanks to Hamish Napier for lending us his music. We missed John and Grant very much.
4: We yeah. miss being there very much.
5: We
3: also missed
5: you very much. <laughs>
3: yes.
5: <Aww. laughs> yes. What <laughs> great <is that>?
3: <laughs> <laughs> So for this episode, we'll be listening to a song called Hung the Moon by Matthew Hale. And we were connected to this artist through our good friend, Chris Millett, who uh, headed up Make More Music. So we're very thankful for that connection and we hope you enjoy. This is Hung the Moon.
2: I like some old ancient folklore, the things that don't He said, you got your brother, well, how about another? And he held up a baby brimming with pride. I smiled at the soul in the last of the tall ones. I knew all the trouble I'd cause him real soon. Well, for more second of laughter, right then after, I'm gonna make him think it I hung go out And huh?
1: that was Hung the Moon by Matthew Hale. Um, So Matthew shared the story behind this song. So I'm going to read what he posted in an Instagram post when he released the song. Uh, Matthew says, Hung the Moon was written the day after my cousin Mitchell's funeral. It tells the story of his older brother, Walker, and his perspective of his youngest brother throughout his life. From the day he was born through his growth into adulthood, and over the years, he watched him spend time with his nieces. Walker told me at the funeral that in the very least of all this tragedy, there's a song. He mentioned how his daughters thought their Mitch man hung the moon, how he'd play them Aladdin songs on their old piano, and how it was hard to get to know Mitchell because he was always out living. Mitchell Hale was larger than life, and I'll miss him forever. So what were our thoughts on the song?
4: Well, what a beautiful um, ode to his cousin. Um, I, I really loved this song, and it's um, kind of optimism in such a trying time uh, or like a, a hard life event going on um, because most of the verses, oh, really all of the verses have kind of that, um, all of the, the happy memory. Kind of things as um, the focus of them.
5: Yeah, um, just to echo that too, it really does seem like a celebration of this person's life and their impact on other people. And I know we were briefly talking about it before we hopped on the recording, but when you just listen to it, or just like the melody of it, and even the intro parts. It sounds more happy and celebratory, you know it's in major mm-hmm. it's like it has uh that very common chord progression, so you hear something and there's that cultural like juxtaposition of what this song is about and what we anticipate or associate Greeks with, and then it sounds so like sunny and happy um yeah I just I really like that aspect of it, yeah, and how it
1: um it followed him throughout his life. So just really giving a good glimpse at this person and making you feel like, you know, this person, even though you've never met them. Um, it was just a really, really beautiful listening experience that definitely felt very emotional for me. Um, as I was listening to it and my favorite part, was the use of the hook at the end of, you know, this whole time it's talking about Mm -hmm. how others view him as hanging the moon. um, But then at the end, it brings it back to, you know, you get to go hang the moon now. So it was just a really nice use of that hook to sum it all up and um, that he'll always be there watching over everyone um, through the use of the metaphor of the moon. So I thought that was really beautiful.
3: Yeah. Kind of going off that. I think, the metaphor of hanging the moon and you know envisioning someone um as doing that i just i, I feel like i don't hear that metaphor very often and so that kind of just makes the metaphor bigger i guess or like mm-hmm. has more emphasis if that ma- makes any sense it's also like the moon is such a big thing <laughs> So it's like, you know, this person hung the moon. It's like, oh, wow, you really think that this person is such a, like, you really think that this person is so important, you know? And Mm -hmm. so um, I don't know if I want to say powerful, but just also like there's a lot of, mm, gosh, I don't have any words.
4: Maybe like idealized or like not, yeah, that just like, i can't find it
3: either like on a pedestal but not in a bad way yeah yeah man i wish i knew the word for it
5: (laughs) (laughs) i i I I feel like powerful does kind of fit though but not necessarily in the sense of like holding this power over somebody but just the powerful influence or powerful impact that you have in somebody's life Mm -hmm. um and just maybe meaningful like just how meaningful Mm -hmm. that can be for somebody um yeah and I think that even when you go back and read through the lyrics that is so clearly stated Mm -hmm. (laughs) throughout like how much meaning and how important this person was um and not just to you know the speaker of the song in that sense but how much like they meant to so many other people within that family and I think like that that influence and that impact is definitely captured. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure like, right. And that could be, that could be powerful in some sense. Right. Mm -hmm. But it just, yeah, but I get what you're saying. it's a tricky, (laughs) it's a tricky way to try to verbalize it. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: I like the word meaningful. And, and I think it's interesting how it's meaningful in the simple experiences. So sitting at the piano and playing songs Mm -hmm. and the little, little things in our life that sometimes we don't realize until someone's gone or that experience is passed and it holds that much more meaning so yeah
3: I also liked how it was written from the perspective of his cousin you know it wasn't mm-hmm. his own perspective it was like he he Matthew put himself in the shoes of his cousin which is not always easy to do when you're writing about someone's grief and you're also grieving.
4: Yeah. Because this is, you know, a heavy topic and it's a, uh, he is also family to mm-hmm. the person that passed away. And I think, yeah, there's just uh, something um, extra special about the perspective of the song that makes it a little bit more intimate. And I like that it, that song kind of goes into, uh, what y'all were saying earlier about like, it's the big things and the small things. It was, and when you were here and when you weren't, cause I think first two talks about like when he, um, you know, was away that like, we still looked up to you, you know, and uh, it's that kind of impact um, all the way around that that person has in, in your eye um, that I think is very clearly communicated to this song.
1: I think something that really, um, stood out for me. And I kind of shared this a little bit before we started recording was being able to process your own grief in this way. A lot of times it can be easier to go to the service and then ignore it if we're not ready to feel it, or, you know, sometimes we don't process it or even talk about it till way later. And I found it really interesting that he wrote it the day after the funeral. And I think it's interesting for me because I've been working on a song after a family member passed earlier this year, and it's taking me a really long time. And obviously there's no, like, it's not a race, you know, there's no right Mm -hmm. or wrong way to process your grief. But I thought, how cool is that, that he really was able to put into words what he was feeling, what his family was feeling you know, it just, what a neat way to really let it all out. And you may not have processed it fully, but to be able to verbalize that was, it was really interesting for me um, to, to listen to. And you can definitely hear the, the emotion and the depth of that relationship and the the Mm -hmm. meaningfulness behind it. So, yeah.
4: I think like my, my dad's a preacher, so I've been to Many funerals of people that I've known kind of and people that I've known like really closely and I've had family members pass away. And so I, I know in my experiences that like I prefer to be farther away from the person because it's less of that grief process. And so for him to, I think, lean into the circle of closeness to, you know, that person um, is something that, yeah, I don't know that I would have done, that's like a whole lot more emotion and like a whole lot more processing. Um, And not just thinking about your experiences with that person, but also from another person's perspective, all of their really intimate, close, you know, uh, meaningful experiences with with their family as well. So yeah, it's a very um, deep processing in this song, the, you could tell the artist has like sat with this, and but also he said he released it the day after the funeral.
1: He yeah he wrote it the day after. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. In terms of how the song was written, I think it also presents an interesting way about how people can process it because if you are writing something from a perspective that's not your own, there's a way to still keep that distance, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, yeah. But at the same time the person whose perspective that it's written through like, is somebody who also is very close and impacted by it. So now there's a different level of empathy that you have to have for this person and experiencing and understanding grief from their perspective. So like it can be a way to both have distance but also a way to really connect and have to face it, but maybe not in your own way. And um, this is not to go into like how you analyze like <laughs> what the artist did today. But I think about that perspective, especially in terms of, you know, when we're writing songs about things in a clinical space, like what are the pros and cons of maybe writing from a different perspective or mm-hmm. what, what impact does that have in terms of that processing? And it's just, I think something that we all should definitely consider. And it definitely is something I thought of, especially as you were talking, John, but also like as for listening to the song and learning more about it. Well, and
4: that's something that I haven't considered um, that it was, almost dissociative in that way of like, it's not me processing these feelings, but I'm doing it through somebody else. uh, But yeah, there is like a a level of removal there that may make it in some ways easier to process your emotions. Um, And the the lens and the perspective that we write songs through can be a really helpful tool as a therapist.
1: And what a neat thing to think about if you're supporting a family going through the grieving process, like, thinking about the varying perspectives and the um, placing yourself in in someone else's shoes. Like, you know, how do you think that they're handling this? Like if it's causing communication problems or, or, you know, something is going on within the family system, like how could changing the perspective and creating that um, empathy um, help deepen family relationships of the people that are still around. So, Ooh, I love that. Thank you, Mm Graham. That kind of brings to mind, um, where I
3: work, it's a community setting, like residential. And so when folks pass away, the entire community is impacted in some way, but each individual is impacted in a different way. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, there's a collective grief, but then there's also an individual grief, um, and so whenever there's been someone in the community that's passed away um or someone that they all know that's passed away or even when like the when staff members like leave like cuz that's mm-hmm. also a grief as well it's <clears throat> so it's sometimes you know we'll write songs sometimes we'll just listen to songs sometimes we'll um create like a, a a mini podcast type thing to like like kind of like a goodbye radio segment um oh. and so while we do that, it's just it's so interesting to see the different impacts one person has or different memories that people have with this one person um, yeah, and so I guess in in those moments yes i'm supporting people through you know grief and bereavement but also i mean there's a little bit of processing of like my own processing in that you know Mm -hmm. because like yes they're doing all this but i'm like also facilitating it you know and like putting it all together i don't know where i was going with that but (laughs) it's just interesting to think about like because you were talking in a family sense, but in like, just comparing that to a bigger clinical community space as well is interesting.
5: Yeah. yeah, and especially like in some of the contexts where we all have like worked, and also just settings that we've been in, um, those communities function very similarly to kind of family units to a mm-hmm. certain degree. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you see the same people every day for three years three four five years right um and you spend so much time with them like it's you're a very intimate part of somebody's life and i would say it's vice versa too um so especially when you have those losses be it you know through death or through transitions of other means like getting new jobs or going to live at a different spot Mm -hmm. um it impacts all of us in very different ways and i think that's another unique thing too in terms of what it's like to be a facilitator for it because mm-hmm. there is a way in which you have to hold that space um particularly for those who typically occupy the role of client um but at the same time like you're also losing a connection in a relationship <laughs> um, and that also deserves to be processed and honored too um and how how do we do that in a way that I don't know the right word to explain it but like in a way that doesn't necessarily center solely you and your needs but also just really respects the fact that this person impacted all of us not just yeah mm-hmm. right
1: yeah and and then also thinking about the importance of supervision and processing that because obviously this is something that can you know we we all have different feelings on death and loss, and um, have different experiences with the grieving process, and that can be a very, it can be very easy to burn out if this is work that you are experiencing or, or putting yourself in all the time. And um, we have to have a really good understanding of our own feelings on that as well to make sure that we're we're best supporting whatever uh, part of the grieving process that our clients are in or whoever we're working with is in, but yeah, it can just be a very difficult population to, to view, to work with if right. we're not careful.
4: I was going to say working in uh, end of life care and, and retirement. This is part of the job is that it. you're, you're working with end of life. So they are going to pass away. And um, I want to say the, um, here, I started working at my first job. There were like 54 deaths and it was a a crazy year. I mean, that was like a lot of deaths. that just happened kind of, you know, all incidentally at the same year, but like, um, you know, that really has an impact on you as a therapist and as a resident in that community. And um, I think that music is such a, a wonderful tool for us to be able to use to process through some of that. It's so expressive and, Um, Even if you can't put words to it, you know, there's a way for you to express how you're feeling and and kind of get through that. Um, I've also worked with, like, some uh, support groups for spouses of those who have dementia or Parkinson's um, and things like that. And uh, I really thought that this song would just be, uh, to use it just like the artist did to take it and kind of plug in some of those wonderful memories you have of this person. And um, in this grieving process, let's just take a moment to celebrate and think of the positive things and just smile and laugh for a little bit. Um, So almost like envision like uh, in we've had some family pass away recently as well. And so like sitting around with the family, looking through pictures and stuff for the slideshow at the funeral home, like that was, we had so much fun doing that. And I know it's a really somber time, but like we were looking back on all of those memories and just laughing and just celebrating this person's life. And it, it really was, uh, healing and therapeutic and just a really great time to just focus on them and celebrate them, not just be sad. There's also a place to be sad, but I think that this song uh, is a place for us to to focus on the, the positive.
1: I think it's such a good example, like, for instance, leading a support group or um, I have a, a client that has recently experienced a loss and has expressed an interest in, in songwriting. And so using it as an example of, you know, this is one way that we could do this together. Or if you're bringing it into a group, listening through it, talking about it, maybe at spurs um, stories and memories, but also talking about, you know, how could we do this together? Um, that this is just one example of a way that we can structure it. Um that's kind of how I was viewing it as a really great starting place to then create something of your own for that, that process, um, grieving process. But yeah, I also like, I like your idea, John, of using that as reminiscence and then also um, kind of like plugging in parts. I think that's That's really cool.
4: And it almost feels like what he did, because there are just really uh, specific things. Like he talks about the Wiley cartoon and the Aladdin song, and it's like very intimate moments that they had. It was their thing, you know, that is in the song and um, forever, you know, captured in that way. Uh, That memory is forever captured in the song. So I also might bring this in to if it was or use it as some inspiration to um, or maybe just as my own hearing a song and then doing something, you know, in the group with it. But um, this is like such a, the reminiscence and the telling somebody how much they mean to you kind of thing, doing that somehow in therapy and focusing on it, uh, on sharing that, you know, with somebody um, instead of it being, you know, at end of life reminiscence, you know, it being a communication
3: now. It's also like an, an exercise in like, I think, Grant, you were saying earlier in like empathy, like just putting yourself in another person's shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, about, about death, but you know how is someone else feeling about something that's happening in life wow. you know yeah or what would it what would it be like to be that person you know and like what are they trying to communicate
1: that would be interesting in i just thought of like in couples work, how sometimes that's an exercise that's done where if there's communication difficulties that, um, expressing to your partner, you know, this is the way that I'm understanding this communication or this behavior. And, um, it's just like a really great image of how you're viewing that other person, how they're communicating. So I want to play with that. That's really cool. Yeah, <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you just gave me so many cool ideas. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
5: it's like we're doing what we set out to do. When we're this right? <laughs> <laughs> it's working. Wow. <laughs> right?
3: <laughs>
5: so I was also thinking about um, in terms of timing of when to introduce this, um, and knowing that this is necessarily have to be an immediate thing. So as soon as somebody's experienced something like this, uh be it death or um other life transitions, right, you don't have to do it like as soon as it happens, you know, within the context of the song in particular, right? Um the death was really sudden and almost unexpected from how it's described in the sharing of the story of the song. And You know, especially given the context of the world that we're in right now, Um, the day of recording this, there were two mass shootings yesterday. Um, So, like, the fact that there are a lot of things that are very uncertain, you don't necessarily need to jump into, like, the urgency of trying to process and heal that Um, and giving people time, the time needed so that sport can be effective and not just a, like, Band-Aid on an open wound. Yes. Essentially be like a metaphor. Um so yeah, just like think that's another important part too, because you know, for songwriter for this one, right? Being able to write it the day after the funeral, that may not be a timeline, kind of like you were saying earlier, Allison, for everybody. And especially as therapists, we have to be able to know when we're pushing somebody too far or rushing the process, or being able to encourage people to slow down if mm-hmm they may be rushing through it. Um, But yeah, just like timing, I think is a really important thing to also consider when doing this type of work.
4: Grief's not like a checklist of things that you can, uh, steps you can go through real quick. There are steps, but they're repetitive and cyclical and you live in them for a long time as you deal with this grief. Um, So yeah, there's, I mean, it's been a year and a half since my mother-in-law passed, but like, definitely sit down and write a song like this right now and it's been a year and a half you know that i've I've dealt with my grief you know for a year and a half but um you know maybe now's the time that i could sit down and write a song about this uh but yeah
3: i also want to add to that to consider you don't have to process grief alone um looking at you know uh looking at this email that Matthew sent us, I mean, he mentions all the people that were, you know, on this track, helping him put, put it together. You know, there's Chris, like we mentioned earlier, um, Andrew Chapman, Tyler Spear, Zach Barger, Barger. Um, And, you know, it's, that's a whole team of people helping bring this song to life and sitting with Matthew and Walker, you know, in their grief um, and, you know, bringing Mitchell's memory, you know, in this song. And so I think it also brings up the concept of finding support and, you know, finding the relationships that. um,
4: That support is really uh, important in this time. In your yeah. life, and having um, uh, people with you, just even to sit there and not say anything, but just to have your support system and your team there is is important, and it's I think an important part of the grieving process.
1: Mm-hmm. And also to add on to that, that having something like this um, can make it easier to share those thoughts and feelings with other people because it can be so easy to isolate and that maybe this would provide a space that otherwise wouldn't happen or a conversation that wouldn't happen if we didn't have something like that to contribute to and to work together on.
3: Yeah. And it brings to mind personally for me, like whenever I've recorded with a crew of people on my, you know, original stuff, like that's, that's a lot of trust, (laughs) you know, it's like, here is, something that you know really means a lot to me um and i'm letting you into this or i'm letting you um take or or play a part in this
5: and i think too you can also be mindful of who you share those things with or even if you want to share it at all Mm -hmm. right um it is a deeply intimate experience to navigate grief and it's okay if the world's not let into it. I think that's fine. You don't have to have that be on display for everybody. And it, And I think that's something that's also really important to really um, stress is that not everything has to be this final project and product to show, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to things like this. It's okay if that's just for you and if that's what you need. And, Tool do we find? um and m- who's to say? Like, you may want to share it someday, but it's still okay if you don't. And I think being able to have that, just to know and to verbalize and say that option is there that does need to be shared, is so important. Because <laughs> I do feel like every time like a song is written, there's this. I. Like association and anticipation of like having to perform and having to share it. And like, here's the final thing, it goes out. And it's okay if it doesn't. It doesn't have to, <laughs> it doesn't have to see <laughs> like beyond the space in which it was like worked on or collaborated on. And that's, you know, Sometimes yeah. Sometimes the
4: process is just
5: as important as the product. Mm-hmm. Um,
4: and I think, like Allison was saying, like, the, I think the product can be useful in this space, but um, it doesn't have to be. You don't have to share that.
1: And that maybe it's something that, we as the facilitator could encourage the use of as an idea of a, a coping skill and and then remind them that, yeah, we started it in this space, but this could be something that you could work on however long it's going to take you. Um, so it could be a continuous process between you and and um, the client, but maybe it's something that they, we start with them and then they just take it out into the real world with them. All right, so
3: those are our um, thoughts and ideas about "Hung the Moon" from Matthew Hale. If you like this song uh, and resonated with um, his story and his, his words, and uh, want to hear more, you can find him on all music platforms um, under M. W. Hale. And you can find him on Instagram at m.w.hale and uh, keep in touch with him there. So, uh, Matthew, thank you so much for sharing with us your music. Uh, It obviously brought up a lot of conversation. (laughs)
4: Yes. (laughs) Thank you for sharing your process with us uh, or the product with us from your process.
3: Process and product. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. So we're gonna round it out by listening to "Hung the Moon" one more time, and uh, we'll see you next episode. Bye. 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 Bye.
2: He said, you got your brother, well, how about another? And he held up a baby, brimming with pride. I smiled at the soul in the last of the tall ones. I knew all the trouble I'd cause him real soon. Well, for more second of laughter, right to then after, I'm gonna make him think it I hung Jump out. Lighting all that old fire that burns to your soul. And the pain that you can't fix from the loss of a loved one rose right along with you, we'll taking its toll. And we cried as we saw and fly off to the heavens. And these tears are reminders of a spring afternoon. Taking off to go.